All right. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. So excited about what God is up to and what God is doing today. Hey, if you're new, which I'm sure there are many of you here, uh, maybe a neighbor's been asking you to come to church for like a year, and you're like, okay, I'll come on Easter. Uh, We're glad that you're here. There's a Connect card on your seat. We'd love for you to fill it out, uh, and we'd love to bless you with a gift. And so on your way out this way, uh, we'll give you a gift in exchange for that. We'd love to follow up with you just to help you in your spiritual journey, uh, wherever you may be with that. And so we'd love to do that with you. Hey, yesterday, the egg hunt party was awesome. Did y'all have a good time there? It was good, right? Yes, praise the Lord. Uh, Thank you for your work and for those of you who participated and served. uh, It was a really great day and a really great time. And so we're really excited and thankful for everything God did there. Uh, It literally started raining as soon as we finished uh, picking everything up. And so the event happened. uh, We picked everything up. And then it started raining, all right? And so uh, that was a real answer to prayer. Uh, And I love the way the Lord does that because he's like, I just want you to know, here, this is exactly what you prayed for, okay? So uh, it started raining at 6. Everything was perfect. And so we're super thankful uh, to the Lord for that. Uh, Thankful to those of you who were able to come. Uh, We always want to be a blessing to our city and to our community in a million ways. And so we're grateful to be able to do that together. Today, uh, as you know, normal at many levels, we always talk about the Lord and his resurrection, but we especially consider today the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and for those of you who may be new to church or seeking things out, I hope you give this an open hearing today to at least be open-minded to what Jesus might want to reveal to you today about how the resurrection should change everything about your life. And to those of us who maybe come to church consistently or who have believed this truth for a while, I want you to be open-minded and ready for how the Lord might be revealing to you how the resurrection is supposed to change your life, but you haven't done that yet. How the resurrection should change everything about us. The message today is called The Real Deal. The Real Deal. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, this is the real deal, okay? This is the real deal. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. How many of you have ever bought fake AirPods? How many of you? Fake AirPods. How many? Nobody? What's wrong with y'all? Y'all got money? Okay, this is great. Fake AirPods. So uh, my first exploration into the AirPod world was on Amazon. I bought, this is no joke, I bought an AirPod that's only for one ear, and it was $10. It was $10. And I thought, well, if that works, that's going to save me a lot of money. Uh, And so I bought the AirPod that was only for one ear, and it was $10. As soon as I opened it out of the box, it did not work, okay? It was a complete useless thing, and no matter what I did. So I thought, okay, well, let me look. I'm going to get the two AirPods, and I'm going to find the, you know, cheap version. So I think it was like 25 bucks or something. Okay, well, this is pretty reasonable. You know, $200 from, from Apple, 25 bucks. Okay. So I went ahead, and I got the $25 one. I put them in. They worked great for a week. And then after the week was over, they didn't work anymore, no matter what I tried. And I thought, man, well, I really need AirPods. And need's a strong word, okay? That's a very first world word. Uh, but I run a lot, and AirPods are really, really helpful for running, okay? So running's good. Staying healthy is good. So I thought, okay, we'll spend a little money and get AirPods. Uh, so then I thought, okay, I'm really going to up my game, and I'm going to get maybe 50 $60 versions. Okay, this has to work. Hey, maybe I just messed around too much. I just, you know. So let me find some middle ground. I still refuse to submit to the price Apple wants me to pay. Uh, and so I went, and I got 50 $60 AirPods. They had decent reviews. Uh, These worked well for about two or three months. And then as soon as I dropped one of them, it crashed, and it didn't work anymore. And so now I'm stuck in a predicament where I've already spent, you know, a decent amount of money. I mean, I still don't have any AirPods, you know. 
Uh, and I finally decided, okay, you know what? This is why everybody has Apple products, all right? So I went ahead and I thought, I just cut my losses. I bought some real AirPods, and I have those same AirPods to this very day, all right, to this very day. Uh, what I want you to understand from this is I kept trying to buy cheaper versions, you know, knockoffs to save me some money because I thought it cost too much, but the knockoffs never worked. You know what I needed? I needed the real deal. And this is true for your life and my life in so many ways is that we keep buying knockoffs of joy, peace, forgiveness, purpose, happiness, and they may work for a day, they may work for a couple weeks, they may work for a couple years, but eventually they break. And what you need this morning and what you came here to get this morning, even if you don't know it, is the real deal. You need the real deal. You have settled for knockoffs in your life. And maybe some of you are settling for knockoffs because the price of following Jesus is simply too much. Because you know it'll cost you your whole life. It's not easy. It's not simple to say, well, I'm just going to follow Jesus and then keep doing what I want to do. No, 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 no. And maybe for some of you, you said, well, it hasn't been worth the cost to me. But what I want you to understand this morning is that it's costing you more to not follow him than it would to follow him in the first place. And for those of you who do know the Lord, I wonder with whether you believe Jesus to be the real deal, but you're still buying knockoffs every day. You're still trying to find your purpose and peace, forgiveness, life, real life in other places. You're trying to find it at work. You're trying to find it in your family. You're trying to find it in adventures, you're trying to find it in your money, you're trying to find it in your free time, you're, you're looking for life, purpose, peace, joy, forgiveness, and you keep buying knockoffs even though you come to church and you know the Lord. And what I want to encourage you this morning is that you need the real deal. We all need the real deal. And I hope that nobody leaves from here and settles for any more knockoffs that the world has to give you. So we're going to understand the real deal by looking at a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So go ahead and open your Bibles. Let's go. All right. We are excited to hear from the Lord this morning. 1 Corinthians 15. We're just going to read the first 11 verses. The whole chapter is about the resurrection of Jesus and the implications of that. If I preached the whole chapter, you'd be here for a couple hours, all right? So uh, we're going to do the first 11 verses. And what I want to do right now is root us in the real deal of the resurrection of Jesus. This is what he says. This is the Apostle Paul who got saved, who hated Christians, and he got saved because Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. His life has dramatically changed. So if you're here as a doubter, Paul's your best friend. He didn't just doubt God. He hated Jesus. He hated, he hated Jesus. So even if you're here and you're like, I hate this, uh, you have a friend in Paul, okay? And so uh, this guy really met the Lord, uh, but he had a crazy past before him. So this is, what, this, this is what Paul says. He says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared 
also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. And we'll stop there. I think the reason some of us don't treat Jesus like the real deal is because we would start the story here with the phrase, once upon a time. Once upon a time, Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. It's like a fairy tale to us. It's like a fairy tale to you. It's just another story being told in the world of something unimaginable, something miraculous, something that breaks all the rules of nature, just like Frozen. There's no ice ladies, and you're like, there is no resurrection. This doesn't make any sense. It's a story that stretches our minds beyond what we can naturally comprehend. You know, simply put, it's also a love story about a prince. And so we think, well, this is a nice story. This is a good fairy tale, and that's how we receive it. And because we don't treat it as the real deal, we don't give it any real thought, and therefore it doesn't make any real change in our life. And I don't know if that might be the case for you, or maybe you would never call it a fairy tale, but now that I categorize it as that, you might associate it that way, to say, I just don't take it that seriously. You might as well begin the story once upon a time and end it with happily ever after. Maybe that's the case for you. And you're here this morning, and I want you to see that this is way more than a once upon a time hopeful wish or a fairy tale. Or maybe you, like all of us in some ways, have been trying everything in the world, trying everything. Like I said, you're buying knockoffs of everything you could possibly get, and you're realizing that the cheap versions you're buying aren't really what you're looking for. They don't give you what you need or what you even know deep down that you want. At the end of the day, you still come up empty no matter how much money you spend, no matter how many people you're with, no matter how much success you get, you still come up empty. You're like the people who win the championship and they wake up depressed the next day because then the question is, is that really all there is in life? And you've been trying and trying and trying. And maybe you came in here hopeless. And I want to give you some hope this morning that the reason you're still lost is because you simply haven't found the real thing yet. There is something to satisfy your soul. There is something to forgive your sins. There is something to make you happy. There is something to give you purpose. There is something to give you a new life. And his name is Jesus Jesus is ultimately what you are made for. A relationship with God is the very thing that you need, and that is available to you today because Jesus rose from the dead, right? You don't need a relationship with Buddha, and you couldn't get one because he's dead. You don't need a relationship with Muhammad, you couldn't get one because he's dead. You don't need a relationship with any religious leader or, or anything, anything, but you, you couldn't get one because it's dead. You need a relationship with God. And God revealed himself in his son, Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead and took all of the fairy tale-ness, miraculous, craziness aspects of these stories, and he made them real in real life and real history. And it needs to make a real change in your life. And so here's a couple of things I want us to see from this passage. I think this passage does a good job of settling our feet, our thoughts, and our minds in the realness of all of this. And so here's how he does it. The first thing is that it's real and it's importance. This is real because it's very important. Look in verse three. Uh, fairy tales don't start like this. I delivered to you as of first importance. 
what I also received. If somebody wrote to you, this is the first important thing. This is the most important thing. You wouldn't expect a bunch of fairy tale stories to come after that. This is so important. This is actually the most important thing. You know, this is same day shipping, priority mail. I, there's some urgency to this to say, what I'm about to tell you is of first importance. It is the most important thing in the entire universe. The gospel and the gospel truth is the most important reality and the most important truth in the world. And it is the thing each one of us needs. Now, to those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ already, I want you to consider this for your life, that what is learned as first importance ought to be lived out as first importance. What is learned as first importance ought to be lived out as first importance. That what you were taught is the most important thing, that you received as the most important thing. Maybe the resurrection reminder today is that you're supposed to live as if it's the most important thing. It was received and sent to you. This is the most important message in the world. Here it is, and you received it, and you said, yes, this is the most important message in the world. And then you continued on to live your life, and little by little, it has faded in its importance to you. And the the reality today is that God wants to reawaken you to living under the light of the resurrection with Jesus Christ, his gospel, as first importance in your life. First importance in your life more important to you than the greatest person you love on this earth, more important to you than the thing you want to see accomplished on this earth, the most important. What is learned as first importance ought to be lived out as first importance. This is the truth that we celebrate today. Paul also says, it is a message that I have received, not made up, not created. It is a message that I have received. Where did Paul receive it? Well, we learn from Acts 9 and 1 Corinthians 10 that he got it from God himself. He got it from God himself. Now, you should be really weary or, you know, when someone says, I have a message from God, you know? Uh, And this is why the resurrection and the truth that he's speaking in light of that need to go according with what he has said What he is saying is being backed up and has been backed up by what has happened. So Paul is not making something up or bringing new news or creating some sort of religion. He is a responder and an ambassador for something that already happened, right? He's not sitting around saying, okay, how can I, what's the coolest story I could possibly think to write? No, no, no. He's saying, I saw the living God who has already been proclaimed to be resurrected. I've been killing people that have said he's resurrected. But then I saw him resurrected, and he told me to go tell everyone he's resurrected. This is the message, and it's the real deal. Now, what is the message? Here's the simple truth. Here's what it says in verse 3, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That is the entire Bible summed up in like 20 words. This is the message. You don't need a long story. This is the simple, short, clear, very efficient, all you need to know, and then you learn more message about who Christ is, who God is, what he did for us, and what does it mean? This message is simple. This message is short. This message is clear because it's the real deal. What is the first part of it? Christ died for our sins. 
The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, you and I inherently know this. You know that there's brokenness inside and there's brokenness everywhere else. I don't have to convince you that you do bad things and other people do bad things and there's things we should be doing that we don't do, that there's something wrong with us, something wrong with the world. The word that you need is sin. You're not defining it right. And if you don't define it right, you can't deal with it. You see what I'm saying? The reason why maybe you're not making progress in your life is because you're not defining the problem. The problem is a thing called sin. Sin is disobedience to God. Sin is not honoring God. Sin is not loving God. Sin is not respecting God. Sin is not listening to God. Sin is taking God's wisdom, God's ways, saying, no thanks, I'll do it my own way. And every single one of us, myself included, have lived this out. We are all sinners. The reason why you're broken inside is because of sin. The reason why the world is broken around us and wars break out is because of sin. The problem the world has is a sin problem. And we will not make progress until we diagnose the problem. The real issue with your life is that you're a sinner. That's the problem. The real issue with my life is I'm a sinner. The real, real issue is that my sin has separated me from God. Therefore, what I was made for, I can't have. I need a relationship with God, but I don't have one because of my sin. And I need something to fix that. And this is the good news of the gospel. This is what Jesus came to do. Now, as we know, like any crime, sin deserves a punishment. So this is the reality with your sin. Sin is a crime. It's a crime against God. It's treason against the king of the universe. And now there needs to be punishment for our sins. So what happens? Christ died for our sins. You can either pay the punishment for your sins and receive the judgment that comes from God, or Christ can take the punishment for you. This is the good news of Good Friday. This is the good news of the cross. Christ died for your sins. If you can diagnose the problem, hear me, then you can receive the solution. That's my heart for you this morning. If you would diagnose the problem and say, my issue is sin, then you could receive the solution when Jesus says, well, I've taken care of that. I wonder if you would do that this morning. Now he says, not only did Christ die for your sins, that's half the good news, because if he stays dead, it's not helpful. Then he was buried and raised on the third day. Now, something that's interesting to me is the Saturday in the Easter story. So Friday, Jesus dies on the cross. He gets buried. Saturday, he's in the tomb. Sunday, the resurrection. So what's Saturday? What's going on on Saturday? It's, it's the time in between. Saturday represents the time when we wait for God's perfect plan to be revealed. Christ doesn't come back to life right away. Why not? It would have been a great story if he woke up Saturday morning. Why Sunday? What is God doing? Well, I think God is teaching us often that the reality of the Christian life, the real deal of being a follower of Jesus, is that requires waiting in seasons between what God has promised and what God will bring to pass. What God has promised, I will rise again. Well, why are you not risen yet? Saturday morning, you died yesterday. Why does he wait a whole day? It's a season of waiting. For some of you, that's exactly where you are in your life, in your walk. 
feels like Saturday. It's the time in between what God has promised and what God will bring to pass. But let me tell you some good news, is that the resurrection of Jesus means there's a resurrection for us. If he gets a Sunday, then I get a Sunday too. This is how that works. So let me encourage you, especially those who know the Lord today, it may feel like Saturday, but Sunday's coming. It may feel like Saturday, but Sunday's coming. There is a day coming when God will bring to pass everything that he has promised you. Everything. And the resurrection reveals the fact that you will be resurrected. And on the day of your resurrection, everything will be made right. If Jesus gets a Sunday, you get a Sunday too. And so be encouraged this morning that, oh, it may feel like Saturday, Sunday's coming. And the resurrection changes and gives you the ability to wait and to have courage and to endure and to get through suffering and to be happy in Jesus and to be hopeful for the future because it may feel like Saturday and it may be a long day to wait and there may be a lot of suffering involved in it, but because Jesus gets a Sunday, you get a Sunday too. So be encouraged this morning. The resurrection changes everything about your season of suffering today changes everything about how your life goes, changes everything about how to be hopeful in the midst of seasons of difficulty and waiting. So this is really important. This is also real in history. Look what he says. It is in accordance with the scriptures. So the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is in line with thousands of years of history and prophecies that have been written. It is literally, if I had time, I would do this, but I don't. Maybe I'll do something. Impossible for someone to make up all of the prophecies and everything written over thousands of years for those to be linked up continually across regions with things that happen with biblical times, for it to land in Christ's lap, and for Christ in one person to be the person who, not just in the ideas, but in history, time, place, geography, people, reveals and then fulfills all of the prophecies that were made for thousands of years in history. That is impossible. It just simply cannot happen. We are not smart enough to make something like that up or to track it for that long. And so now when he says this is in accordance with the scriptures, he means it is not only in accordance with the word of God, but the scriptures are also the history of the world. So Jesus comes in real history to fulfill real history. This is the real deal. This message is in accordance with the scriptures. It is real in importance. It is real in history. And finally, it is real in our lives. It says that he appeared to Cephas, to the 12, to 500 brothers at one time. I love this part. So, so he appears. So basically, he's given some evidence, right? He's like, okay, don't just take my word for it. Talk to all these people, all right? So this is what you would do in anything. If you get more eyewitnesses, there's more credibility to your account. And so I want you to imagine if there was a room, a courtroom, judging and assessing the resurrection of Jesus, if all of these eyewitnesses were called to account, the case would be closed. If every single one of their testimonies agreed, the case would be closed. You would need no other information. The whole jury would say, yep, this must have happened. So if somebody hurt somebody or something and you had all these people come testify, then there would be no question. There would be no debate. And so I want you to see this. This is real. So now he says, listen, he appeared. Well, he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, who denied Jesus three times before he was killed. So he appears to Peter. He appears to the 12 disciples, it says. 
And then he appears to 500 brothers at one time. And I love this. Most of whom are still alive. Meaning, go ask them. Go ask them. 500 people. Go ask them. Most of them are still alive. So I would guess that's at least 400 percentage wise. If he's saying most, most of them are still alive. So go ask them. Now go check on James. He says James has seen him. James is his brother who did not believe he was Jesus the Messiah until he saw him after the resurrection. This guy lived with Jesus his whole life, didn't believe him, and then the resurrection happened and he changed his mind. This, there's no reason for him to change. He lived with him his whole life. There's no reason for this guy to change his mind. No reason, unless something crazy happens. And then he says he appeared to all the apostles and then to Paul, ultimately Paul, who, like I said before, was killing Christians before him. And so he gives this long list of people that the resurrection has not only been real in the world and history, but it's been real in their lives. And here's something for you to understand as we close, that only the real deal can change a real life. Only the real deal can change a real life. And not only is this testimony from these people, but I'm sure every Christian in this room who's followed Jesus can testify that I tried many things, but it was not, my life never changed until I met Jesus. Right? Can y'all say amen if you agree with that? Say, my life never changed until I met Jesus. There was Cephas, there was the 12 disciples, there was the 500 brothers, there was James, there was Paul, and I've seen the Lord too. And he has radically changed my life. And you simply cannot disregard the testimony of the people in the Bible and the people in the world since then who have testified to knowing and seeing the Lord. So the real deal changes a real life. Now here's something for you to consider. If Jesus is the real deal, then he requires a real response. If Jesus is the real deal, then he requires a real response. So you've heard the gospel this morning. You've heard the truth about his life, death, and resurrection for you. You've heard the truth that your problem is sin and the solution, the only solution is Jesus. And so now then, if this is real, then it requires a real response. It's not a once upon a time. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a nice idea that you can just push to the side. It requires a response. Remember, as I said, either you pay for your sins or you let Jesus pay for them for you. I read this story of a guy who bought a $35 vase at a yard sale, but it ended up being worth $500,000 because it was, a, it was a special Chinese vase. And I just imagine what it would be like to be the guy who sold the vase for $35. The reason why he sold the vase at a cheap price was because he didn't recognize its worth. And he wasn't able to enjoy what it was really worth because he didn't see it. And that's what I'm here to do this morning on behalf of the Lord himself, is to help you see and recognize the worth of Jesus Christ. Because I don't want you to miss out on everything that he has to give to you. Because if you left here without him, you'd be like the guy who had a $35 vase and so had a $500,000 vase and sold it for $35. Jesus is the real deal. Have you been settling for knockoffs? Today's the day for you to believe and trust in him. Let's pray and respond to the Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you did die and rise again for us. Thank you that you are the real deal. I pray for a great conviction on our hearts. For those who don't know you, that they would believe and trust in you this morning. 
that they would stop settling for knockoffs and that they would receive the real deal, forgiveness of sins in Jesus. And for those who do know you, Lord, that we would all live in light of this, that we would take the resurrection and what it demands for our lives seriously. Would you change us day in and day out, Lord? We thank you that this is true and that we can bank our whole lives on it and our whole eternities on it. We believe you, we trust you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Why don't y'all stand up and let's worship the Lord.